Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. We're going to share the experience today of uh, someone named Chen. He is Chinese and his uh, experience is recorded in Chinese, but it has been translated to English, so I hope the translation works out okay. It worked out okay I, uh, in terms of, you know, getting everything that's in the experience, but uh, this is what he says. A near-death experience that happened to me eight years ago has completely changed my life. I had a family and my father was very strict on me. I believed in Marxism. I joined the Chinese Communist Party when I was in university and I had a great ambition while I was employed. I deeply believed in materialism and strongly rejected anything that related to idealism. Neither did I believe in God. However, I experienced a near-death experience and it has changed me completely. I arrived at the clinic around 8 o'clock and the nurse told me I had to inject penicillin. I told the nurse that I have an allergic reaction to penicillin, but the nurse told me that it would be okay. The nurse then offered me some other medicine that may reduce any possible allergic reaction. I was injected and the nurse left the room to treat other patients. About 30, 30 seconds later, I experienced a strong tinnitus and I dropped into a dark tunnel, rushing with an incredible speed. I was extremely frightened because I didn't know what had happened to me. I could neither stop nor shout. I couldn't go back or ask for help. I then realized that I, it was caused by the allergic reaction. I was in despair, floating in the tunnel. I couldn't imagine why I did not lose my consciousness and why I still exist. However, my fear gradually disappeared. I felt myself floating somewhere and it was comfortable. An indescribable stream of consciousness was accompanying me. He gave me the answer to my every question and he comforted my frightened heart. I didn't know how to describe him. He had no shape or voice, but he was bright and broad-minded, warm and gentle. He could answer every question. He surrounded me and guided me. He communicated with me through telepathy. He revealed everything of the universe. I was no longer in the tunnel, but I was in the bright, warm world. I felt a complete relief from pain and suffering. I felt the existence of everlasting harmony and happiness. He told me what I wanted to know. He told me the world consisted of molecules and atoms, and they keep moving. Then he showed me a tree that was beside my window in my room. What surprised me is that I had greatly improved my vision incredibly. I did not, or I did see a world with moving molecules and atoms. The feeling was extraordinary, and I felt my consciousness was much faster than ever before. I asked him whether I'm part of the world, too, and he said, yes. He told me everything was moving, there was no death, there was no birth, everything is just cycling eternally. He said that this is the very truth of the universe. He then told me that the so-called death 
is nothing but another stage of life. Consciousness still exists, even if you died. Our flesh is like a TV set, and our consciousness is the signal. The signal still exists, even when the TV set is broken. The consciousness of human beings is a kind of energy, and it will never diminish. But he also told me, you cannot communicate with the living, and your parents cannot realize that you are still alive. I suddenly realized that I must take care of my parents and my baby. I felt my soul and my body is half related to my body, and that I existed. Let me start that sentence again, because I think it's kind of important. I felt my soul and my body is half related to my body, and that I existed in several dimensions. My soul was communicated, was communicating with a consciousness stream, and meanwhile I could see everything on the world with unimaginable agility. I could hear, but the sound was distorted and delayed. I heard an old man complaining and people walking. I could even see through a closet and discovered some coat hangers inside. Soon I heard my mobile phone ring. I could even predict what the doctor is going to say, and I was correct. Yet I could still control my body. I controlled my lungs to breathe in order to show that I'm alive. I realized that I still have my parents and a baby to take care of, so I must draw the attention of the doctor, and he might bring me back. I controlled my hand to grasp the doctor's hand tightly. Then I felt a heavy stunning, and the world spun around. I felt myself returning to my body. I started to vomit. I vomited a lot, and the doctor could not believe it since I didn't eat anything at all. I told my doctor about my near-death experience, and he was frightened. After the near-death experience, I was no more afraid of death at all. I know how the world runs, and I had a thorough understanding of the universe. I cared for neither fame nor money. I started to have concern about the suffering in the world. I can comfort. I comfort others who are in despair. I make them realize that death is not horrible. I filled my heart with love and joy. So there's another of or uh, there's a number of interesting points that Chen makes and you know, first off, I, I don't know if he went to any landscape, but it sounds like he was, uh, he wa- went through the tunnel. He found himself in a tunnel, and then he found himself floating somewhere that was comfortable. And he found himself communicating with what he called a stream of consciousness. And I would imagine this is... Uh, uh, could be compared with the light that many communicate with or the just the general presence of somebody being there. I don't know for sure. But it sounds like this stream of consciousness had the answers to every question. And every question that Chen asked was answered. Very interesting. Now this is an interesting part that I wanted to comment on. Um, he talks about how while he was outside of his body, he says, yet I could still control my body. 
I controlled my lungs to breathe in order to show that I'm alive. I realized that I still have my parents to take care of and so forth. He says, I controlled my hand to grasp the doctor's hand tightly. And then at some point, he says, I told my doc, let's see, no. Um, I found myself returned to my body. I, I, so so he's, he's controlling his body, his, making his hand squeeze and making his lungs breathe. He says, then I felt a heavy stunning, I, probably from whatever the doctor was doing, uh, shocks or whatever. And the world spun around. I found myself returned to my body. And that's when he starts throwing up and so forth. But uh, this is interesting that he's outside of his body, yet he's able to control his body. And I say this because I listened to an experience shared at uh, an IONS conference, the International Association for Near-Death Studies conference. And um, at this conference, this this woman was talking about how when she was trying to return, it was kind of fun because she, or when she, she was returning, she'd had this experience in this landscape and so forth. And as she came back, she went and visited her sister, and her sister has this guardian angel or ministering angel, as she put it, that was there with them or with her, with her sister. <coughs> And this person was dressed in this Roman attire, and he, and he's kind of buff, and and her response, which she she was slightly embarrassed about, because remember her thoughts, are just speak out loud. She says, "Oh, you are cute," <laughs> and she's embarrassed because it came out. You know, she's used to thinking those kinds of thoughts, but not speaking them, and, and she's and he's kind of. He turns and sees her and, and says, you need to return to your body. Your, your, uh, your mission isn't complete. And, uh, and she, she's like, I, I like it out here. I, I love it. I don't want to go back. And he's like, you need to go back. And he, she says that, you know, while God is perfect and, and you know, you're not going to find any imperfection about him, he says, spirits, while great and noble and so forth, still aren't quite there yet. And she says he experienced, or she experienced this moment of his impatience, feeling like I used to rule, you know, armies, and now I can't get this woman to listen to me or to obey me. <laughs> she senses that, that feeling coming from him. It wasn't spoken. It wasn't necessarily, um, thought speech even but that was the essence of what he was feeling and and so he just frustratedly goes back to helping her sister at any rate while she's with her sister um she her sister has a phone call from her uh parents who are at the bedside of this dying girl who is is now and I think she's like I think if I remember right she was like 17 years old something like that at the time anyway um she is there with her sister as her sister receives a phone call um from her parents who are at her bedside like a state away I mean we're talking 
We're talking it's not down the street or around the corner. There's a reason that her sister isn't there. It's, you know, she's a, a great distance uh, from her. And uh, this sister is talking to her parents. And, and she realizes, this girl realizes in this spirit form, that she still has a connection with her body. And she realizes she can still control her physical being. Now her body is starting to wake up and her parents are calling her to tell her that her body is waking up. Um, I guess she'd been in some kind of a coma sort of thing. And her, <laughs> and she's controlling her body to open her eyes and, and to begin to speak. And she has to consciously make her body speak the words that she's thinking, and yet she is in the presence of her sister in her sister's house. And so she says, she's talking to her sister, she, her sister says, how are you doing? And she, and she says, actually, I'm doing great. I, you're not going to believe this, but uh, I'm, you know, in, in spirit and I'm, and I'm in your room with you. And I'm sure her parents are just going, huh, you know, and, and her sister is talking on the phone with her body, who, who is, you know, far away, but this girl still has a connection to her body, and she is uh, consciously um, uh, making her body speak, and uh, and she says, "I'm I'm in the room with you. I can actually see you right now." And her sister says, "That's crazy. Well, what am I wearing?" And she says, well, you're wearing this and this and describes it perfectly. And she's like, okay, well, you might have been able to guess that. But what is, I, I think she asked the color of something in her bedroom. And she says, well, just a second, let me go check. <laughs> and so her spirit, she in spirit, she goes into the room, comes back in, and then makes her body say, well, it's this color, and it's like this, and her sister is blown away. She's like, okay, now you're freaking me out. <laughs> and, and she starts talking about the things going on in her house. And so it it was kind of a whoa moment for me, just kind of like, that is wild. The ability to somehow control the body from outside the body while being in a completely different location I mean, she, I, I get the impression she's not even seeing through her physical eyes. Now, if she'd wanted to, she probably could. She probably was able to see, you know, and, and if she wanted to go back to that room, just thunk, and she's there, you know. <clears throat> and, of course, she's still thinking a little bit in mortal terms because she says, well, let me go check, it went, and then goes into the bedroom. She kind of just thunk and been in the room and... and and then responded from there. But this is how she's, she's still thinking kind of in mortal terms. So she's like connected to her body. She's separated in her spirit and she's being in the room where her sister is. And it's, it's just this wild ride. So, you know, very validating in that case. But this Chen has a similar experience of making his lungs breathe so that um, they know that he's alive and making his hand hold the doctor's hand tightly so that the doctor knows he's there. He's, you know, got to keep taking care of him. 
but it's taking effort on his part to uh, to make his lungs. He says, I controlled my lung to breathe. Um, and yet he's not in his body. And yet at some point the doctor shocks his body and he feels the spinning of boom and he's back in his body. And so I, I think this is uncommon because I've only come across this a few times. Somebody being able to control their body from outside their body. And yet it happens. It happens. And it may, de- you know, it may depend, be dependent on how close their body is to death versus, you know, how well in tune they are with their body. I don't know. I have no idea. But it's bizarre. And the, there seems to be a precedent for being able to control your body from outside your body after you die or if your body is alive enough to be moving and so forth. It's almost as if, you know how sometimes, you know, somebody codes, their, you know, life signs are all nil, and so they're being, you know, prepared for the mortuary or whatever, and then they pop back in their body. There's that kind, and then there's the kind where it's like their body or their spirit comes from their body while they're, say, in a coma, and their life signs are still fine, but they're, you know, completely unconscious, whatever. And then there's, of course, that level that's like, like the lady experienced where her body isn't quite conscious. And the fact that this guy is making his hand squeeze the doctors, he's got some level of consciousness, but it's the body that's conscious and he's controlling it through his spirit. You know, it's like, I think you've probably got these different levels based on the person's situation, the situation of the physical body, of the spirit, and, and so forth. The, the level of connection. Some people have a hard time getting back in their body, and at some point it works, or there's something that has to be done to the body to make it so that the spirit can fit back in the body. There seems to be like all these different aspects of the mechanics that um, are very interesting. Very, very interesting. So, um, in answer to the question of you know, how much control does the spirit have over the body? And the answer is, well, it depends. It depends. There's just so many variables and so many, everybody's experience is unique. So anyway, um, it, it does reflect the point, though, that if you have someone in a coma, by all means, speak to them. Speak to them. Even if they don't remember the experience um if they come back, you know, maybe they, they come back to their body and they had this near-death experience, but they don't remember it or they remember aspects to it. Chances are, from what I see from those who have, you know, that separate from their body, if you speak directly to them, they tend to hear. There's something about um, drawing attention to the individual that draws their attention to you so that you can hear them. Now, if I hear my you know, mom is on her deathbed, unconscious, whatever, and dying, and I'm rushing there. She may not notice that unless I draw attention to her. You know, if I simply shout out, mom, don't die yet, chances are she'll hear me, whether she has any choice in the matter or not. Uh, It's yet to be determined, you know, based on the situation, but... um, there's a lot of variability in this, and it seems that drawing attention to the individual seems to draw that individual to them 
at least in attention, if not in presence. That's what I seem to observe in these near-death experiences anyway. So, if you would like to uh, contact the podcast, you can do so by emailing Podcast at gmail.com or you can call uh, 970-NDE-CAST. And with that, thank you so much again for listening. Thank you.